Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ascend and Transcend. I'm very excited for our guest today, Carolina Jadkowska. She's a certified alcohol-free life coach who helps powerful women make alcohol insignificant in our li- in their lives, our lives. I love that. She's worked with thousands of clients through her online courses and coaching to change their drinking habit and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. She has a book coming out, right, January 2022, which is really exciting. The title is Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And that's going to be on bookshelves. So she also has a podcast, the Euphoric Podcast. So we're really excited. Welcome, Carolina. I have been looking forward to speaking because I have given up alcohol and I feel like it's made a pretty big impact on my life. I've done a few different runs at it, but I would love to just hear from you kind of your journey because you stopped consuming alcohol three years ago, correct? Was there a, a catalyst that made you decide it wasn't going to be a part of your life anymore? Yeah. And thank you so much for the beautiful introduction and question. You know, I had been unhappy with the way alcohol was showing up in my life for a while. And the thing that really kept me stuck, though, was I didn't identify as a problem drinker whatsoever. Sure, every once in a while I drink too much at a party or something, but it wasn't something that I heard about in the movies or in the shows about what like an alcoholic looks like. And so I had wanted to take a break and just live this healthy, mindful, peaceful lifestyle. And I didn't think I was allowed to. I literally thought I had to drink to put up appearances to be a normal adult or else people would say things about me, stories that I didn't want being made up about me. Finally, I got over my BS and I heard of Dry January, which is a month yeah. off alcohol in the beginning of the year. Uh, it's been tied to uh, like foundations and raising money and just doing a healthy reset. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's my excuse. There's what I need. Yeah. You know, because I woke up Monday morning feeling depressed, low, tired, exhausted from drinking over the weekend, resolved to take a break. And then by Friday, Saturday, I had another dinner or another event or something that I had to go to that just didn't allow me to commit fully. And so dry January really gave me the excuse I needed to do a whole month without alcohol. And it just opened my mind. It just blew me away. I felt amazing every day. I felt my natural happiness bubbling up. I I started having fun in new ways and engaging with people with more presence and connection. And I absolutely just loved it. And, you know, I went into February thinking, well, this can't last. Like I have to go back and and have the cocktail at this party and, and have the wine at the dinner. And I drank that few times in that February. And the contrast was just so stark to me, such a juxtaposition of how naturally grateful and appreciative and even experiencing wonder and awe again, like a child I felt in January. And the second I would have a drink in February, I felt cranky, um, frustrated. I let down, you know, it wasn't even over drinking. It just lowered my mood so fast. I even remember picking little fights with my husband over nothing. You know, after like one drink, I was like, okay, there's something to this. And so I decided from that moment, in late February to take another break. And I just positioned it like that. Like, I'll just go another 30 days. You know, and this time when I got to the end of 30 days, my world kept exploding. I started traveling alcohol-free. I started experiencing the most profound pride and confidence in what I was doing. And as I was kind of working on my Achilles heel and mastering it, really, I started Mm -hmm. to question all the other limiting beliefs I had had in my life up to that point you know, beliefs that I could never be an entrepreneur or I could never 
publicly speak or I could never go after what I really wanted. You know, my ideal vision at that time was someone who lived a travel lifestyle, made a living doing what they love, made an impact. And I was stuck in a nine to five, you know, and probably that nine to five drinking for the weekend, you know, like I, I usually didn't drink Monday through Thursday. And then it was like, oh, the weekend's here because every week I wanted to fast forward my life because I wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing, you know? Yeah. And wow, so totally. all of these profound realizations led me to not only feel this confidence and pride in being alcohol free, but I started overcoming all those self-limiting beliefs and going after what I really wanted. I decided mm-hmm. to talk about this. I thought that this is way too important to like leave other people feeling isolated in it, you know, and that actually 60% of all drinkers drink above the health guidelines. So that's normal. Reevaluating your relationship with alcohol should also be normal. Just a normal thing we do as healthy, mindful adults. Started talking about it. I launched my business. I launched a podcast. I started writing the, my first draft of my book. And, you know, this life started becoming my dream life. And when I look back and think, about having a drink or something like that in the in the first few months, I was like, I'm going to give up this dream for a beer that I've had like 5,000 times in my life before. Right. Like, screw that. Been there, yeah. done that. I want to keep chasing the woman who I was meant to be, who is free and unencumbered by any of that mental stress, any of those egg negative health effects, and just live emboldened in this new lifestyle. Oh my God, I love it. I, I think that there is some kind of stigma too. Like when I tell friend, when I told my friends that I was done with alcohol, you know, I was going to do like a hundred day reset, right? Because alcohol stays in your system for 90 days, which I had no idea that it, it lingers so long. So if you are drinking on the weekend, it's taking at least three days, right? Two to three days to process it. So by the time our body kind of switches back into just main function, because it's no longer trying to get this toxin out of your body, we start drinking again. It's like, well, there's the weekend. And some people are drinking every night. And I used to have a glass of red wine every night. And it's so fucked up. I thought that was good. I thought, oh, these hundred year old people who live in Italy and France, they're drinking red wine all the time. And so it was, I thought it was healthy. I had red wine during both of my pregnancies. Like I thought it was fine. I thought it was good for blood flow which is such a crock of BS. I mean, and after I read Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington and also Quit Like a Woman, which were books that were freaking game changers in my mind. And I started realizing that alcohol is ethanol, right? Like we poured on cuts and scrapes to kill organisms. And so we're juicing and we're spinning. And, you know, I leave a a vegan lifestyle, you know, 90% of the time. I'm doing all this shit and then I'm dumping poison in my body on Friday and then I'm feeling like shit on Saturday. I mean, even one glass of wine, I felt it. My sleep was disrupted. So for me, it was really about health. But then I had this other thing in my head like, but if I come out and tell people I'm not drinking or I'm a non-drinker, they're going to start to gossip and wonder, well, she she must have been an alcoholic and we didn't know, you know? And I think that holds a lot of women back. Do you see that a lot with clients that come to you or just did that happen to you when you decided to announce you weren't going to drink anymore? 
Oh, hell yes. I mean, I had been wanting to take breaks from alcohol because I intuitively was perceiving everything you just said. One glass of wine set me up to feel worse the next day. And then I was like, okay, you know, sometimes I drink over drink at a party or or a dinner or something. And I was like, but if I can't even have one, what the hell is the point? You know, if you're still going to feel worse the next day and there's a science behind that, you know, it affects our REM sleep. It uh, puts us in slow wave sleep and, and fragments our sleep. And it also releases all these stress hormones in our body, cortisol, adrenaline, and something called dynorphin that are released every single time we drink. And, you know, you mentioned this like 90 days of, of taking time to clear out our systems. Alcohol also reduces our receptivity to dopamine, lowers our GABA, lowers our serotonin, all these neurotransmitters that are responsible for making us happy. And it actually mm-hmm. takes a while to rebalance for your brain to rebalance after that. So like you said, The funny thing is, is that like when you start drinking as a teenager, I mean, this is something that's kind of mass conditioned on us, 18, 20, whatever, 22, sometime in that age range. It's almost as if you'd have no idea what your true natural state feels like as an adult, because if you're even drinking every two weeks, that doesn't give you enough time for those neurotransmitters to rebalance. It's like we don't even know the natural joy we can experience in our lives, you know, and it's insane that this is just normal. This is considered, like you said, a healthy. And there's so much misinformation around it too, you know? And thankfully, the the most comprehensive recent studies are showing us that there's no safe amount of alcohol, that it increases our cancer risk, even just one or two drinks a week, which come on, to me would have been like, that's being healthy, the healthiest person in the totally. world. Totally. <laughs> maybe if I was at a spa, I mean, but like otherwise it was at least two glasses of wine on a Friday or Saturday night, or, you know, if it was a hot day, I mean, that's thing summer's coming up and everybody listening now it's barbecues and it's beach and it's brunch and the world is opening back up. And it feels like it's not only accepted, it's expected that you're going to drink. And if you don't, you better have a really good excuse because otherwise people might feel uncomfortable. So can you talk a little bit about what that means or what some insights that could be behind other people feeling uncomfortable around you now that you're not drinking and they still want to drink? Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, and I and when I said earlier around 60% of drinkers over drink and around 50 to 60 it keeps changing cuz this is becoming more of a thing in our society. Actually, adults, American adults want to drink less or not at all. So what I would do if, if I was in anyone's situation in their shoes, just starting out and taking a break is oftentimes we're worried, like you said, of judgment from other people. We're worried that they're going to make up stories in their head about us, negative stories. And so we are embarrassed to say that we're not drinking. And it's kind of like this weird stigma and shame instead of like, you know, you would never, ever be embarrassed to say that you're getting healthier. You would never not want to talk about how you're working out or eating well or something like that. Like, this is actually a point of pride. And when you know that the majority of drinkers want to drink less or not at all, you have to start shifting your worldview and thinking, I'm not the embarrassing one here. I'm the leader. I'm the one who's inspiring Mm. other people. I'm the one who's opening up their worldview and what's possible for them. And, you know, if they do judge you, that's a red flag that you are putting up a mirror up to their behavior that they are not themselves comfortable with, that they themselves have internal turbulence around. And so there's only three, I think, scenarios that happen here. One, people do judge you and make up stories in their head. And that's 
only a direct correlation because they have insecurities about their relationship with alcohol. Two, you're inspiring them without even knowing it, you know, and they're seeing this someone socializing happily without alcohol. I mean, that would have blown my mind to see that five years ago at a party. I would have yeah. been like, who's that confident boss? Like, I, I want to be her. Or three, they don't care because they don't notice. It's irrelevant to them and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like nobody right. cares what you put on your plate at a barbecue if you choose the salad over the ribs. Like literally, who the hell cares? It's a beverage in a glass at the end of the day, people, right? So right. even out of those three scenarios, I think there's so much hope to be had because you're either showing people something that they might not know about themselves and ultimately motivating change, mm -hmm. inspiring people to change, or like recognizing that you guys, this is just a beverage in a cup. I can be myself. I can be more present, more connected with the people I love. And that's not what bonds us, you know, like an artificial substance in a glass is literally not what bonds us as humans. And if we believe that and we continue to believe that it's only a disempowering belief that keeps us small. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the the second one, the mirror one, right? It, I, I would put a little bit more weight behind that. And I don't know, it's from personal experience because I had been at parties before maybe two times my whole life where there was a woman there who wasn't drinking and it was always, I'm on a diet, you know? And then, oh, okay, well, that's acceptable. You know what I mean? Like, oh, but then I was hyper aware of how much I was drinking around her, right? And it's crazy because those nights that I was out and there was somebody not drinking, I drank more. So I'm thinking to myself, it wasn't that I like reeled it in. It was that I felt insecure and I thought, well, if I start slurring or if I say something dumb or mean, then there's like the police, right? Because she's not fucked up like we are, where we'll just laugh it off or maybe nobody will remember it tomorrow. We've got like a narc. It kind of felt like that. Like she's going to be the one who is going to remember everything and everybody else might not. And so then I would drink more to try to get over that fear of being judged by her. I felt judged by her. So I feel like now when I kind of told my friends and I had to kind of ease them into it, it's a hundred days, you know, oh, okay, well, you're going to drink again at some point. Right. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, but they just want to know like, okay, well, regular Liz is coming back, right? Like she's going to be back and get drunk with us and then not, you know, hold us accountable. I don't, I don't know what the fear is, but it is really interesting. And I, I think it is a mirror. I think that if they care, it's because there's an awareness in themselves about how much they drink. And it doesn't mean you're an alcoholic, but I let's talk about this word alcoholic too, because I feel like there's this evolution to the label non-drinker. Um, but then there's this alcoholic and it feels like in our society, being an alcoholic is literally one of the worst things you could be labeled. So I think there's a lot of trepidation around announcing you're not drinking and then having people assume that you're hiding alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very weighted word and it comes with a lot, a lot of negative connotations. And, you know, we have a, we have a history here of how alcohol has been dealt with in our society. We reevaluate it by asking ourselves, is there a problem with a capital P? And it usually has to be a big problem, right? Like DUIs, right. vodka in the closet. You know, this is right. big kind of stuff we're talking about. Uh, you know, liter of vodka, bad. A few glasses of wine after work, fine. Right. That's how we evaluate it. And this negative label has been thrown out. And then even people who aren't drinking and, and 
recover and go sober through that experience are still stigmatized and shamed. Oh, they can't drink because they couldn't handle it as if they're right. the unlucky we're weak. ones. And, you know, we're all the lucky ones instead that, that continue drinking. And it's just has absolutely no reality in, in the scientific circles. It has no basis in like true sociological behavior of how we are out consuming alcohol. Um, and that's what I love how these statistics shows is most drinkers over drink, drink above the health guidelines. So we're really finding ourselves on a huge spectrum. There is no black and white with this. There's a huge spectrum between very, very light occasional drinking and drinking every day in the morning. There's a huge spectrum of norms, behaviors, and different mindsets along that along that spectrum. Most adults find themselves in the gray. And you know, it's ridiculous, but I'll I'll read articles where doctors are saying that there's a huge spike of liver issues happening in women drinkers. Huge almost to the point of causing death. And then at the same time, they're saying, but it's not alcoholism. They're not dependent on alcohol. So it's like, wait, we're killing ourselves, but we're not dependent on alcohol. What the hell does dependent on alcohol even mean then? We have this yeah. backward way of looking at it, you know, and most people are not physically addicted to alcohol. That's only in the most very extreme cases, even in heavy drinkers. So that can't be the criteria, right? And then some of the most simple ones, actually the DSM-5, the latest like mental diagnosis, you know, manual doesn't say the word alcoholism anymore. It's called alcohol use disorder. And there's different stages of it. There's mild, moderate, and heavy. And if you have mild, let me just, well, let me just say, if, if you've ever asked yourself like, oh, I wish I drank one less than the night before, or I, you know, want to cut back, that already qualifies you for the mild one. Like it's super low bar, right? Yeah. So basically most drinkers fall into that. So what's the point of all these labels if they're not helping us? I mean, the better question to ask isn't, do I have a problem? Is, is this habit making me happy? You know, right. and you never know until you try and you try a break and you see what the other side feels like. And if you discover so much more happiness and joy and confidence and just a gratitude and presence in your life, then there's your answer. And, and you got to experiment with both ways. And now you can really reevaluate which one fits for you. You said something so poignant earlier about feeling judged by the non-drinker. It's almost like we have this code in our society. Like we will, um, almost like codependency, like we will all put up with our BS behavior and not, you know, not talk about it, not be aware to it. But the reason why that's painful when someone is witnessing it when they're, you know, not drinking is because whatever you're doing is not aligning with your deepest values. And that hurts. Mm -hmm. And I think women sometimes can be more aware with that. You know, like sometimes a guy can go to a wedding, drink too much, laugh it off the next day. That kind of stops working for us. And we start mm -hmm. to feel that shame about it. We start to feel like I'm not aligned with my values. I wanted to be composed and graceful and poised. I wanted to be confident and yet I was slurring, you know, and it starts to oh, misalign with who we want to be. And same thing, you know, with, with being healthy and mindful, we, we meditate to be sit with the uncomfortable thoughts. We eat well to have a healthy body and yet we wake up feeling unwell or we grab a drink the moment stress arises. It's like the complete opposite of what, who we really want to be. And so that yeah. unalignment is really painful. And so most of the women I work with don't have heavy drinking problems by any means. They're totally right. normal drinking problem, problems, normal drinking behaviors. Right. But they're unaligned with their deepest values and their bigger dreams. Well, totally. And there's a couple things too. I feel like, first off, there's 
a whole confirmation bias culture now too, especially with COVID. It was like, everybody grab a drink to get through this. You know, it's just, and you're seeing the rates of alcoholism, uh, you know, labeled alcoholism just skyrocket ever since COVID. And it's like, mommy, mommy needs her wine. You know, and all of this is especially for mothers. There's this other thing of like, you have to have a drink to deal with your children. And it's such bullshit. It makes it worse because then the next day or even later that night, an hour or two later, when your body's already starting to have withdrawal symptoms, you get frustrated. It makes it so much worse dealing with little ones or, and they, the other thing is they see it. They're always watching you. So I thought about my daughters and I thought, do I want them to grow up? And it's the norm that mommy had a glass of wine with dinner and daddy had a cocktail. Now I have a unique situation because my husband works in the alcohol industry. So there's wine everywhere in our house, but it's it feels different. I don't feel like I need to get rid of it because I don't want it. To your point, it's a choice. It's not, I don't feel like it's an addiction. I know that there was a low level dependency because anytime you're doing something every week, you obviously have a dependency on it. But so that the whole confirmation bias, I feel like if we can collectively start to support each other's choices of like being more present, maybe following different groups on Instagram, hashtags, sober curious, all these things. I'm sure you have wonderful resources on your website as well, euphoricaf.com. Then you can start to kind of like change what you're feeding your brain about it and see that there's a larger community out there that can support you with this. But the other part, you know, the show is about manifestation and spirituality, and you really hit on a good point about alcohol is lowering our vibes, ladies. Like It's bringing us down, whether we know it or not. That first sip might feel really great. That first drink, you might get that hit of dopamine and you think, oh, I'm vibing nice and high. But then you're not. You're trying to like dig out of a trench for days and months after that. And you can't manifest all the cool shit that you want. All that stuff on your vision board can't find you if you're on a low vibe. So to your point, to be an entrepreneur or have the universe work its magic, you need to be living in alignment. And if you are questioning whether alcohol is taking you out of that alignment, then it's something to pay attention to and probably address and just take a break and see how you feel. Oh, said you agree? so well. <laughs> said okay. so well, you know, and I, and I think like some of the scientific points that we made earlier about it lowering your actual happiness neurotransmitters. Like we drink, why? Because we think it's going to be fun or it's going to relax us. And yet scientifically, it's like doing the opposite. And, and then its effects are not just a 20 minute buzz, they're 48 hour, you know, downtime. It's depressing us. It's really making us feel low, like you said. And so that's how we wake up and we put up with it. And, and we say like, it's okay to wake up not feeling my best, you know? And mm -hmm. it almost to me, especially when I had so many intentions around, you know, stick to two drinks tonight, you know, you're going to do healthy stuff tomorrow. I was always breaking my rules. And so not only was my self-worth deteriorating because it was okay to not feel my best every day, it was also eroding my self-esteem. Like if I can't even do this, why, how could I do anything else, you know? And it, it just kept me feeling so low and so stuck and such a secular experience too, you know, because you have the best intentions on Monday, January 1st, whatever, June 1st, and then it erodes, you know, some social event happens or whatever, you know, you, you have a stressful day and you drink and then you're, you feel like everything you did that was healthy and mindful and productive and high vibing and, you know, really living into that 
true belief that you deserve your biggest dreams, it all comes crashing down when you wake up after drinking and you have to build yourself up again. And then it just is a cycle that repeats over and over again. And so when I first was on my break, when I you know stopped living in that cycle, I noticed a completely different phenomenon. It's like I was on a corkscrew that was always going up. And sometimes I revisited the same things and the same feelings, but I was always going up and up and up. I had massive epiphanies my first year alcohol-free. Like I said, I left my day job. I got certified as a coach. I launched a business. I started becoming a thought leader around this topic. But at the same time, I have had just as many epiphanies in the last four months. I feel like I'm a totally different person today than I was even four months ago. My growth never stops. I keep getting to go up this upward spiral instead of purposely stopping myself all the time. Um, I'm leaning into more and more belief about anything being possible for my life. And I just don't believe that that was a reality for me before because I was living in such a stuck and small way. You know, you even mentioned something kind of that everyone goes through is having to tell our friends, you know, that we're not going to drink. And it's like, even in that moment, we're people pleasing. Even in that moment, totally, we are putting the opinion of other people above what we want for most for our lives. Well, guess what? It takes a lot of bravery to become an entrepreneur. It takes a lot of bravery to leave your day job. It takes a lot of bravery to quit your job and move to Europe. It takes a lot of bravery to become a yoga teacher. I mean, whatever it is, whatever your biggest dreams are, they're going to take a lot of bravery and they're not going to be the status quo and they're not going to be what people around you are doing. It's like you have to learn how to be a rebel and to put yourself first in every situation. And I feel like I learned how to do that as a non-drinker. I became really proud about it. I felt like a leader. When I went to a party, I would bring some non-alcoholic beers and talk about them and show them to people and be like, yes, like this is amazing. You can have a fun social life without a side of hangovers. And I was super proud about it. And being the odd one out in that moment actually was a point of pride for me. So that when it was time to leave my nine to five and become an entrepreneur, that was a point of pride for me. I wasn't being bogged down by other people saying it's not going to work. You know, you have to have health insurance, all this stuff. So it's like everything we really want in life is going to require our bravery to go about the road less traveled. And we Mm -hmm. can learn how to do that by becoming a non-drinker, taking a break from alcohol. It's training our muscles for that. And it also elevates what we believe we deserve. You know, and I think that's what manifestation is ultimately about. If we don't believe we deserve something, we are capping our, our limit right there. That's us capping our own limit. And so this is something I work on every day. I'm working on it. We'll work on it for the rest of my life. What I believe I deserve. It's elevated, but it can keep going higher and higher and higher as I stop dropping people pleasing, having more firm boundaries of my life and literally believing that the most audacious dreams are possible for me. You know, I have a book coming out in January. Like you said, I have a dream of becoming a New York Times bestseller. It is a really hard and rare dream. But like that is where I'm vibing. That is where being alcohol free has allowed me to dream about. Before, when I was still drinking, the best, the best for me was maybe I'll get a promotion and maybe I'll get more vacation time. And that was it. Those were my biggest dreams. I literally put everything else that I really wanted to do in my life, like write books and be a thought leader and own my own business and travel on the back burner of that's not reality. Right. And I think too, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I've talked to people who've taken a year off and then they decided that, you know, alcohol was fine to have in their life and they 
they're very conscious when they drink now. Other people have done 100 days and they've come back and maybe they maybe they do stick to the one can of beer at the barbecue. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. But I think when we stop questioning shit, we become sheep. And I don't know about you. I don't want to live this life in this amazing body I was given with this incredible support system and all of these angel guides and all of these things saying, you can do it, right? You can be a bestseller. You could do all of these things. And then numbing that out with alcohol, that makes you fat. That makes you sad. That makes you embarrassed. You know, I mean, that takes you out of alignment with this non-physical energy that's always trying to guide you. It's so interesting because whenever I get like a psychic reading or do past life regression or anything like that, they tell you that you're you're not allowed to consume alcohol within 24 hours of your session. And the the facilitators don't drink alcohol. It's like, okay, well, why not? Okay, well, that because it's taking me out of me and it's numbing. It's creating this other plane of avoidance. Like it's just, it's cutting you off. And so I think it's really interesting when you start to piece those things together. And, you know, I loved certain parts of Quit Like a Woman as well, that book, because it does talk about the patriarchy, right? And how when we kind of keep women in this stuck, numbed out state, we're never going to be able to reach our potential. And I think that we have a lot of work to do. And this is a wonderful time and space to be doing it, to go from 3D living to 5D, to to understand other dimensions and all of this great stuff that we can be doing. And we're fucking giving all of that up for a shitty glass of rosé? Like, come on, ladies. I mean, so you don't have to give it up forever, right, Carolina? But it's good to take a break. If you're going to suggest, like if you had your top three things to help somebody go on a break, what would they be? Yeah. Set them up for success. Um, I love everything you just said. And especially this can be an experiment. Like this isn't, I think that's what the right. what us the most is like, oh, does this have to be like a forever decision? Like, so if, if, if I, my goal is to quit drinking for the rest of my life, when am I successful when I die? Right. 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 That makes no sense. So yes, it's, it's about being an experiment, especially at first, you know, we have been mass conditioned, like you said, to drink a depressant that is toxic. And this is normal. This is what we've been doing since we were teenagers to fit in, to find independence, whatever it is. This has been mass conditioned on us, just like cigarettes were back in the day, you know, when everyone did it. And so there is this mindset that we've all have grown up with that it's normal to drink. Only problem drinkers quit. You know, you have to drink to celebrate, to commiserate, to socialize. These are the mindsets that we've adopted. You have to drink to have fun. Life is boring without alcohol. All these BS beliefs. So the first place I would recommend someone to start is on their mindset. And what this means is looking at the beliefs they have about why alcohol is a benefit to them, pleasurable, or brings them comfort. And actually drilling down and looking at those reasons and asking if they really hold up to truth. Some reasons that we like to drink are not even scientifically true. This idea that alcohol relaxes us is the opposite of what alcohol does to our body. It actually releases cortisol in our body. Alcohol and stress are molecularly tied together in our body, right? So it's not even scientifically true. So as you change your mindset, as you learn about new beliefs, you're going to expand what you know about the habit, about the conditioning. So first of all, I think it's really starting to dig in and learn. 
So you could do this through books like the ones you mentioned are excellent. I also love The Snake in Mind and shout out to my book coming out in January. Yeah. You could start listening to podcasts that talk about this. You could start, you know, maybe enrolling in courses or getting a coach. These are kinds of the ways that you're going to change the dominant thinking that you've grown up with to find more empowering truth. You know, I'm an introvert. And when I was growing up, I was pretty shy. So when alcohol came on the scene as a teenager, it was this magical elixir to me. Like, oh, I can poof, become an extrovert. I thought it helped me be outgoing and sociable and interesting, which by default, Elizabeth meant I believe that I could not be those things on my own. Right. How disempowering is that? You know, like I needed to smash those beliefs and prove to myself the version of me without alcohol is the most authentic version of me. And if I'm not liking something about myself, it's time to work on that and to build that up myself, not hide behind the mask of alcohol. So first, fundamentally, there's going to be a lot of belief changes that happen when you work on your mindset. Like you said, it's incredible to commit to a set number of days. Because especially if you get into the cycle where you don't drink during the week, but then you drink on the weekend, it never really gets, you never really experience the benefits. It does take a few weeks for your body to rebalance. So commit to, I would say my preference would be like 90 days, 60 days, but even 30 days is amazing. You're going to see so many changes in 30 days. Commit to a break and just make it a non-negotiable. This is what you're doing. No social event is worth it. You know, like I was always wanting to take a break, but I was like, oh, but that wedding is going to come up. No, like when you look back, no one's like, oh, I'm so glad I drank at that event. Like that's not how our brain works or our memories. We're proud of ourselves when we're more present and really connected with people. So commit to a set time period and just let it be an experiment. And the third thing I think is like, we get in this idea that going alcohol-free is about depriving ourselves. Like we used to have this pleasure and now we're taking it away. You know, I think the most fundamental reason why we drink outside of socializing is that we are going and productive and overburning ourselves every single day. And then we come home and we pour the glasses of wine and it's finally a signal to our brain that it's time to relax. And so taking that away in the sense of not drinking alcohol anymore can't be about, okay, now I have to be on all the time. Now I have to be productive all the time. Now I can never relax. It's the complete opposite. You have to learn how to treat yourself in new ways. You have to learn how to truly calm down your sympathetic nervous system and really, really relax in ways that are healthy and don't come with negative side effects. This could look like all the other alternative beverages out there. Like I love mocktails. I love the non-alcoholic drink. You can still decompress over a drink. It just doesn't have to have ethanol in it. You know, there's (laughs) non-alcoholic wine and beer and tonics and elixirs. There's so much fun stuff happening in this space. And it's changing our drinking culture. So I love to support these small businesses. Some of them are big companies too. So finding something that you can treat yourself with. Finding some way that you can honor this recognition that you deserve to relax and turn off in ways that are soothing to you. Um, And having more fun, having more experiences. You know, you get to really be alive when you're not drinking. So it's not really nothing that you're losing. You're gaining so much. You know, I had writer's block for about 10 years of my life as a drinker. I wrote when I was a child and a teenager, and I completely stopped writing in my 20s. And it was when I stopped drinking that I finally felt that creativity and that intuition coming back to me. I started writing again. I started doing like random things that I'd never done before, like paddleboard yoga and going to Zumba classes, just having wild new experiences. And it was 
earth shattering to me how magical this planet really is. How many beautiful wonders exist here. How much we can stretch and expand ourselves on our time here. To think life is boring without alcohol or not fun without alcohol means that we fundamentally believe that the creator or source or universe or God designed a life that's meant to be numbed out from. That this isn't wonderful enough. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting, too, when you look at a lot of like really high achievers, entrepreneurs and stuff, they don't fucking drink. <laughs> like, look at JLo. I mean, all these people, they don't drink. And it's like, OK, well, if people in Hollywood and really high you know, achievers, Obama didn't drink for eight years when he was president. Like you do, it, it, it is there is a sharpness there that you are dulling when you do this. And so it can, the colors can be brighter. They don't have to be muted. And I think the biggest thing for me was how is this going to affect my friendships? And I've already noticed some people that are not going to be cool with this. And that's fine. To your point, when I became an entrepreneur or went vegan or all that, I mean, it was like, okay, well, this is annoying. I don't want to be part of it. And then they fell to the side. They're either going to meet you at your vibration or they will fall away and they will be replaced with somebody who does. So Thank you so much, Carolina, for being on the show today. Check out her website. There will be a link on the podcast page as well as on all of our social. Check out euphoricaf.com. She's got a bunch of really good freebies there. I feel like there's like a five-day fast start. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love yeah, yeah. to give that as as to all your listeners um, to like what I was talking about with the mindset changes. Like this is fundamentally changing beliefs so that, like you said, it's not something you're missing out on or you're depriving yourself you actually get a point where you remove your subconscious desires for alcohol in the first place and you're free. So it's not about what you can't have. You just don't want it anymore. And you're high chasing your biggest dreams and joy instead. So sign up for the five-day restart. It's at euphoricaf.com slash start dash here. It'll be there. And uh, it'll be five days of really taking your break from alcohol and then working on those mindset beliefs. And then if someone wants to go further, I've got courses that take them further. Um, But I think that's a really great place to start because some of this information that we just talked about today, I know how much hope, faith, and um, just inspiration it gave me when I first started to encounter it because I felt so alone and isolated before. And uh, like something was wrong with me when nothing was wrong with me, right? Um, And so like really just learning more it can change, right. it can change our worldviews and it can start to empower us to, like you said, not follow the herd of sheep off a cliff and be okay being a lone wolf because there's other lone wolves out there yes. ready to uplift you and support right. you and aspire and dream to new lifestyles together. Well, and those are going to be the women and men who propel you forward. They're not going to be the one that wants to just keep you in this same box that they've always known you in. And maybe that included being a little bit sloppy when you drink. That doesn't have to be the identity anymore. There are other people out there, but they're not going to find you until you make a decision. And I love your point about the declaration. I think it was Alan Carr in his book said, never question the decision, right? So if you do make this decision and it's 30, 60, 90, 100 days, make it and then that's done. I don't really subscribe to the one day at a time shit because then every day you're making another decision. No, for me, it's off the table. And if you do 100 days, whatever, it's off the table. It doesn't matter if there's a wedding. It doesn't matter if there's this or that. Be the cool person with like a sun wink or one of the amazing new craft non-alcoholic beers that are out there. I mean, there's no excuse anymore. It's not dry, crusty O'Doul's 
or Shirley Temples. There's other stuff out there. To your point, nobody's going to know what's in your cup, what's not in your cup. So if you've been on the fence, listening to the show is your sign to dive in, lean in and take the break and ditch the dependency. Thank you so much, Carolina, for being on the show. I know that we've helped somebody today, if not hundreds, maybe thousands. I'm psyched for your book. Please send me a signed copy. (laughs) I always request that. And then I'll send you one of mine as well. And then we'll just be this wonderful, sober, sober society of women that champion and hype each other up. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you. 